Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sorry about the noise. My neighbor's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Friday focus this week. I've just diversified a little bit away from AFL territory, away from some of the uh, other sports that are a bit more popular in the West here in Perth. But we're going to go to the NRL. And this fella is one of the game's greatest as a player. And now as a coach, he just successfully led New South Wales to the state of origin title again. That's three out of four years he's been at the helm. None other than Brad Fittler. Freddie, thanks so much for joining me today and congratulations on uh, another fine achievement in this game that you love and have dedicated so much time to. Thanks, Gilly. It was uh, a really satisfying series. I think from the fact is I really felt they got the best out of themselves, which is incredibly pleasing. Played a really good brand of footy. So, yeah, awesome. It was an awesome couple of weeks, mate. Yeah, it looks like this team really enjoy each other's company. I mean, you've played in enough teams, you've coached enough now. Sometimes there's just that little sort of sprinkling of magical fairy dust that works and, and, and binds a team together. And, and this team looked like they really enjoy each other's success and it's a really tight-knit unit. Yeah, well, I, I feel like uh, when you walk in, there was, there was some star factor there, without a doubt. The blokes played some real good footy at the moment. Uh, I think there was uh, the captain, James Tedesco, at the back. He's a really safe, uh, really safe player. And then our halfback, uh, Nathan Cleary, who is just at the top of his game from a point of view of has very few errors, um, manages to keep you in the field position game, which is very important in the NRL, getting your kicks away. So, you know, and then from there, everyone just stepped into camp and did what was asked of them. So I think that's how it all grew. But, um, yeah. But without a doubt, I think having those stars really helps. Just gives you that little bit of confidence walking in. Yeah, it looks like you're going to be without Nathan Cleary now due to that uh, shoulder injury um, that he suffered there and, and bravely fought on in game two. Uh, claims of arrogance, mate. I noticed you, you, you knocked uh-huh. that away pretty quickly. Just coming from north of the border, that's pretty typical, isn't it? Mate, it is. It's, so when I first started, um, I think in all sport now they sort of try to hide the the players away from the cameras because, you know, they do a lot. There's a lot in their mind and also they've got to read what they write. If they say something, you know, silly or awkward or something that's going to motivate the other team. But my rule was from day one that if you can't sit there and speak to a journalist and picture yourself talking to a fan, then how on earth can you win a state of origin game under pressure in front of so many people? So totally opened the players up to, you know, a lot of th- a lot of times they said things they maybe shouldn't have and we pretty much kept that consistent the whole way. You know, and for them just to come out and say we're arrogant, like seriously, they barely, you know, they do the standard where they throw a couple of players up, they don't open to training for people and, you know, I just, I don't normally sort of bite at that sort of stuff but I just found it 
incredibly hypocritical that how they could say we're arrogant while all we do is promote the game constantly knowing this is our rock star moment is when everyone's watching. Yeah, and again, there's a focus also on the back of uh, a couple of dominant wins uh, in this series about there's issues now with Origin because New South Wales are dominating, yet Queensland, 11 years out of 12, they they won the series and, and it was all healthy then. What what about the, the, I guess, in that dominant period for Queensland, they did only clean sweep it once, didn't they? So there's plenty of incentive to get the job done in Game 3. Yeah, it's, it's funny how you... Although they were very dominant during that period, seven of the series out of 12 went to a third game. And only once did they win 3-0. That was in 2010. So it's only happened twice in the last 21 years, which is quite amazing, really, over yeah. in a three-game period, how you think if one team's dominant, you think that would happen quite often. But it sort of shows you that the teams don't go away and there's, there's always something to play for. And So it, it's, it's quite a challenge, mate, as you can see by the record. Just before moving away from Origin, do you look at the AFL uh, at all and and feel that they are seriously missing a trick, having let the Origin formula go quite some time ago, given how big it is in, in the game, in, in the NRL uh, uh, landscape? It's hard to say, mate. I, I, um, yeah, I don't really know. I don't know the sort of the history that will of the game. I know, obviously, it's sort of really generated out of Melbourne. Um, but it wasn't, I don't think it sort of had that real, you know, just two teams. You know, uh, AFL's pretty evenly played across a number of states. South Australia's very popular, obviously. Western Australia, Sydney is great now. Uh, even Brisbane are doing really well this year. So um, I think the origin thing, just, you know, Queensland, New South Wales has worked so well. And the start of it, the history of it and how it came about, because, you know, New South Wales used to pay the Queensland players to come down and uh, New South Wales, therefore, you know, our record was ridiculous beating Queensland over, you know, sort of 30, 40 years. And, you know, then was sort of someone came about said, well, you know what, well, let's give us our players back and see how we go. And then they, they did lift Queensland. Their record was incredible early on. They won the first, I think, six series uh, before New South Wales won a series. And pretty much owned it, um, especially considering the competition at the time was the New South Wales Rugby League Cup. That's what they played yeah, in. So yeah. I think the history and origin um, really sort of supports its popularity and where it's come from. So I mean, it's hard to say AFL. It's just, so I feel like there's too many teams that would be strong. Yeah, sure. Uh, the... The landscape that has changed in, in origin football, can you describe the difference between the, the, the pre-series camp that you had this year as coach compared to the one you walked into as an 18-year-old back in, what was it, 1990 uh, into your first camp? Uh, well, man, I used to drink so much. <laughs> <laughs> so you nearly had to be as good a drinker as a player. And, <laughs> In those days, he really had to be as good a drinker as a player as a fighter. So it was very... <laughs> Origin was that aggressive, you know, like it was just renowned for just... I remember coaches would just be saying, right, our first, first scrum, we want to fight, you know, let's soften them up. It was like the tactics were hilarious. So, um, 
Yeah, mate, they were very different. Phil Gould sort of really had a big part in turning New South Wales in a different direction. Uh, you never missed out on a lot of fun, but he just managed to... He's, uh, his camps, very well organised, a lot of fun, but then also a real lot of footy as well. While now the camps, mate, they're, you know, you're getting up every morning, they're stretching, they're breathing, they're yoga, and they're, their rehab's incredible. They've got, you know, medical staff all around them, using the best equipment, eating the best food. So it's uh, it's a real good time for them, actually, to sort of um, to get to get strong again. Well, yeah, that I guess leads me to your personal coaching style, and, and I suppose we all mature, don't we, as uh, as we get more, more experienced <laughs> at life and realise that what we were doing at eighteen probably not going to cut it at about you know forty five or fifty <laughs> years of age. But your your coaching style, some somewhat uh, slightly alternate, some may say there's. Uh, earthing or getting the players, you know, walk around and a bit Matthew Hayden like actually. He used to love getting out in the middle of the day before the game and sit on the yeah, pitch right. and, uh, and get barefoot on the on the wicket and and earth himself. Meditation yoga that you mentioned that 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 is. Did you always have that in your game from a young age, or is that something that you learnt over time as you moved into coaching? I really, yeah, I used to enjoy the visualization that where they are. Our trainer, Ronnie Palmer, used to do a bit of visualising. I used to love that. Uh, the first time I ever a coach said, take your shoes off, was in 1989, Ron Willie. So it was a long, long yeah. time ago. And I remember just feeling, you know, hot, that feels good. You know, after mm. a training session, you got boots on. And I really enjoyed that. So and when, when I finished coaching at the Roosters, um, I sort of did a lot of reading just about... Uh, about a lot of things, you know, the physical side of life, the mental side, the spiritual side, and end up coming up with, you know, a lot of these things actually work. You know, not only, you know, standing around and, you know, with your shoes off, but, you know, staying connected and doing some breathing together. It's pretty, uh, not only incredibly calming, but I think as a group, there's real, there's just benefits, um, community benefits of just taking time out, being together, you know, getting back to basics. And then on the other side, that's effort. So when you put all those things together, it's just, you know, it works. It's not as hocus-pocus as yeah. I think as everyone thinks it is. It's actually not only feels good, um, but there's sort, of, there's sort of science now telling you the actual, you know, the benefits spiritually, mentally, the whole lot. So the thing is I do it and I don't mind promoting it. Yeah, yeah, it reminds me of school. Probably should have listened to a few of the things they were teaching. Uh, I should have anyway, because it would have some sort of impact in your life down the track. Um, as I say, we learn as we go along. Uh, on advice, can you remember or recall, is there any one particular piece of uh, the best advice you received? And and maybe now in coaching, your favourite bit of advice or quote that you've delivered to a team in big moments? Uh. It's hard to say, you know, I always, especially the players, you know, I really encourage any time you get a chance is to breathe. It's really pretty much the best thing you can do for your body. And if you prepare well enough, you really just go out and back instincts. I'm sure that's a lot like batting, Yep. where it's very hard, be very hard to think while you bat because the ball comes down so quick that you really sort of rely on instincts, I suppose, especially watching you play. I can't imagine, apart from some premeditated stuff, but most of your stuff looked like it was just all instinct. Yeah. 
So I really encourage, don't think, you know, as soon as you start engaging your brain, things just don't look as well and they're a bit disjointed. So I really encourage you, if you've got time to breathe and when you prepare well, you just all you do is just back your instincts. Yeah, it's really really good advice. I, I, I totally can relate to that. Do you feel that in this modern day of sport, there is over-analysis and, and too much scrutiny across the board, be it either formally in coaching or all the analysts, um, you know, in the commentary, all the broadcasters and all the various shows, 24-7 sport. Is it overdone? Is that confusing the minds yeah, of the absolutely. athlete? Yeah, that's if they want to read it. <laughs> you know, some of the things we do around camp is we make sure, you know, there's no newspapers. Oh, I really dislike phones a lot. So I try to have as least amount of people on phones as possible. I just think they're just a, they're the devil, I think. Um, and so once you said, if you can take them away, and if you actually can be strong enough to not listen to that stuff and you know basically just listen to your coaches at the time and whatever they need, and even if it's a bad message, if everyone listens, listens to the coach, it's, it's one message. And that way you're all going to be on the one page. So you know, I feel like it's up to them if they want to overanalyze themselves. Um, I think there's some really good video you can watch and learn, but yeah, you can definitely have a cook, especially if you start investing in, I think, you know, they have um, super coach in AFL and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> oh, mate. Do. You know, we do. have players, you know, I know that play <laughs> to be good at that. <laughs> Just crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, super coach points. Yeah, as opposed to actual <laughs> <laughs> the impact that you had on the game. Did you did you nail and stick yeah. that tackle? But uh yeah, it's um it's a world of technology, isn't it? Uh go, let's go back a bit uh, a few years, mate. Ninety two World Cup final, Wembley. Um you break your jaw pretty early in the game. Uh, you get cleared yeah. to stay on the field in what is a pretty aggressive uh, physical match. 10-6, Australia win. Back in a time where it just felt like, and I might be wrong, and I might be flippant saying this, but it just felt like there was so much more riding on the international game in in uh, rugby league back then compared to now. But <clears throat> Excuse me. But they, um, yeah, absolutely. But you stay on the field. That that probably wouldn't be allowed now, would it? With the the, the focus on head knocks and and uh, the, the um, delicacy around that that issue. Absolutely. Well, I I remember I, I stepped off my left foot. And this bloke just come at me, and just lifted his elbow straight into his face, <laughs> like, yeah. and the referee was barely going to give a penalty. Like that's all <laughs> I got. I got a penalty. I was just going serious. Like, did you see what that bloke just did? <laughs> And uh, the doctor come on and sort of felt around and goes, how do you feel? I said, oh, you know, I feel all right. And he goes, well, you'll be right to play. <laughs> so <laughs> I just kept on. But, um, yeah. yeah, definitely you'd be off for you know, the HIA. They do a pretty good job these days uh, with HIA. I think one of the things that we're finding, which I think especially um, is they're starting to look at just because they just train so hard. Yeah. You know, and they're sort of not only... It's a bit like a boxer, really. You know, they're sort of not only copping knocks on the field, they're mostly copping and match training. So I think they, that was one of the big steps they took in the NFL was limiting sort of full contact sessions. So, um, yeah, whether that's the situation at the moment, I'm not really sure. But, uh, yeah, definitely in the day, in the early 90s, you know, wobbling around on your feet, 
as long as the player caught you, you were right to go on. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and on reflection, that, I mean, at the time, the courageous acts and, and, and as fans, we, we love seeing them players continue on, but I guess we, we understand the, the need for concern now. Do you, do you feel that it's changing the fabric of the game? And and I guess we've seen Boyd Cordner just in the last few weeks have to uh, resign himself to the fact that he won't play anymore, which was uh, emotionally charged and, uh, and, and frustrating for him. Uh, do you think it's changing the game too much? Has it been too strict? No. It's totally for the better. You know, I'm a huge supporter. I think I find it hard sometimes when you give referees a guidance, though, and for them to be able to balance it out. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're sort of, I think, wide a little bit different. But I think they're doing a really good job. Uh, they've sort of copped a lot of slack. And I feel like um, we're getting to a much better standard. I, I think, you know, hitting blokes in the head, you know, those things are just, um, you know, it's of the past. Without a doubt, you just can't be going around hitting blokes in the head. You know, sometimes because of our game, and you know, you're falling, and blokes are at different heights all the time. You're going to have a lot of accidents, and yeah. it's about referees, you know, distinguishing the difference between an accident, careless, and then deliberate. Um, I think you know, anything careless, I'm, I'm happy to simp in anyone that's careless, and then anything that's deliberate, just be sent off, and you know, huge fines or you know. Um, Penalties because it's the, those days are just over. We just know way too much about our bodies and our brains and the importance of um, you know just looking after the player. So yeah. uh, I'm a I'm a, a real fan of what they're doing. Yeah, I, th- I think most people are, are coming to that uh, conclusion too, aren't they? Which is it's good to see. It's all settling down and and falling in into place. Uh, just. I guess jumping back to origin, have you, a game that, as you said, when you first entered as an 18-year-old back in 1990 and even 10 years prior to that when it was founded, it was mate v. mate, state v. state. Uh, aggression was encouraged and it was promoted as part of that. Do you feel you had to uh, rein in your players' aggression leading into this series in any way, given given the new sort of adjudication of the, of the head, uh, the HIA? Well, I just really encourage them to be clean. Um, you know, I think if you if you get your balance and you and you got enough fitness and preparation behind you, there's no need to be swinging around the head. So I was you know, fairly firm with the players from a point of view of we don't need any sort of thuggery. We're too good for that, and that you know I feel like we were we were good enough to do everything as clean as possible and not to sort of you know encourage that as least as possible. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a good point. Uh, mate, Israel Folau's back playing a game of his first game of rugby league this weekend. Uh, well, if it goes ahead, Southport Tigers in a, in a Gold Coast uh, <laughs> League uh, competition, about third tier up there in Queensland. Any feelings about that? Any thoughts? Oh, you know what? I think... Uh... I don't think anyone condones what he says. I don't. I've never felt that deeply about a religion and their beliefs. To even, you know, I wonder how people could even think like that. But you know, at the end of the day, it's. I found like uh, I don't deal with any social media at all. So, you know, my theory is, is you know, you want to list, read that stuff on Twitter or whatever it's on, then 
you know, you're going to get a reaction. It's your own fault. It's not necessary compulsory to be on it. I just find it all quite sickening, really. So if you want to listen to Izzy's beliefs, then, you know, all you have to do is just turn his his, uh, his social pages off. So, you know, I'm glad he's back. I, in the times I've spoken to Israel or I've met Israel, he seemed like a really nice person. Uh, I like him as a footballer. He's a very good athlete. As in his beliefs, I don't really care because I don't really read him or I'm not a Mormon, so I don't go to his church either. So, you know, he's that part of his life he can stick with. But, yeah, I find I find the out, the people's outrage these days is they outrage over, you know, everyone's just outraging. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why they just don't get off the stuff and get on with life. Yeah, so so you have no no drama. You don't think it complicates his capability or, or his availability to play play the game? He's or anyone else's no. views? No, I think, as I said, I just, I can't believe, I can't understand why he think that way. Um, you know, there is a lot of depth to what happened from a point of view of, you know, he was just, I don't know, was he just writing something that was out of the Bible or, I don't really know, like I said, I paid it very little attention, but, you know, if you want to read it or worry about Israel's thoughts and beliefs, then it's up to you. Yeah, sure. Uh, mate, just a couple more before I let you go. Um, I watched with great admiration, along with uh, uh, everybody that saw you come in as a young man, 17-year-old to Penrith, and then premiers in 91, first ever premiership. And then tragedy struck with the loss of uh, one of your great mates, uh, Ben Alexander. Just that period of time, um, do you reflect much? To, what sort of impact and legacy does, has that had in your life as you, you know, moved into uh, you know, becoming a, a parent and, and now at this stage of life. Is, it must have had a huge part of your formation and, and development as a character. Yeah, well, I think at the time, pretty much everyone, the, the late 80s, early 90s, I think everyone felt indestructible. Um, you know, the level of sort of drink driving and indulging and all that was, was huge and everything just seemed to be fun. Uh, you know, without a doubt, that one moment just changed me incredibly. My perception, my actions, my behaviours, my beliefs, and you know, obviously, all for the better. So I think, you know, without that happening, then I don't think the whole of Penrith doesn't. It takes another five or six years for the whole place to mature. And I think it did in a day. So, you know, a very sad time. He's a really good fella, great fella, and. You know, mostly took someone like that to snap everyone out of it and, um, you know, just realise the consequences of some of those, you know, some of what we're doing. Yeah, it was uh, extraordinary, wasn't it? The profound effect it had right across, I think, as you described, Penrith, but I think everyone in and around that age are certainly, certainly mm-hmm. of, of similar age. And it's certainly a, a very, well, sobering, I suppose, uh, realisation of uh, the realities of life. But, uh Mate, yep, exactly. So, what's left for you to achieve, mate? You're uh, most capped New South Wales Origin player. They've got a medal named after you. A test match for Australia, captain, uh, winning coach. Now, what's on the agenda? Do you want to get back into club football ever and coach there? Is that is that a goal? Win a premiership as a coach? Uh, I think what there's a few things I do off the field at the moment. There's a couple of I love motorbike riding, so. We do a lot of riding around New South Wales and we do a lot of 
whether it's leadership or just going muck around with kids. And you know, I really, I really deeply feel kids don't get a good, a good shot these days. Um, so we get out and about, and we do a lot of courses and a lot of. We take Gus Warland and a few yeah. other blokes, and we go around and just talk about, you know, just basically getting the best out of life. And you know, I think I think kids are being dotted totally at the moment. So uh, we're on a bit of a mission to, you know, just. Try to give a little bit back, actually, just and enjoy the state. We've got a beautiful state here, and yeah. I love riding around it. I love the people. So, I mean, I've got a good opportunity as coach now that I can, you know, you can sort of create a few little um, little journeys, or what, I'm not sure what they are, but we have good fun, the people that are on them, and they're a pretty good cause. What, what do you mean, dudded, mate? Can you elaborate on that? Well, it's funny. I think everyone sort of looks at kids and we say, oh, you know, our kids have got phones and they do this and they're also, uh, you know, everything's got to be uh, at their, you know, beck and call and, you know, we're sort of so critical. But the people who designed all of these things are the same generation that are saying it. You know, I think, you know, it's been our generation and the generations above us that have just, you know, turned community and, uh, family, and we've just turned it into total capitalism. It's, I think, you know, what we've done is I think we've gone backwards, and you know, you just see the people aren't handling it. Um, and there's been some real big consequences with, you know, mental health, or whatever you want to call it, mental health, or mm. kids just not coping. Yep. You know, people running around taking photos of themselves non stop all day, that can't be healthy. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I just find it all just so insanely crazy and the powers that be don't really govern it you know we govern alcohol tobacco drugs and all this and we sort of just don't want to really go near the phone and the devices and social media I'm not really sure why but you know parents are under so much pressure from their kids because it's just they're just so addictive you know Uh, mate I like what you're saying. I really do. It's uh, insightful and thoughtful. And I know the the Gotcha for Life program that Gus has set up and, and, and you're supporting, it's a terrific program, isn't it? There he goes. Good, Gussie. He's uh, got a real passion for it. And the other thing what we do is we have fun, you know. He's great company. We get up and we go cruising around New South Wales. We go walking, talking to people. Um, yeah, he's very passionate about it. So, And we have a good time. Yeah, he stole one of my caps in India once on a tour, which I'm still waiting to get it back. But anyway, that's an issue for me to pick up with him. Uh, one last, I'm interested in your, your your reaction to this. You type, you go to Google and you type in Brad and then you hit the space bar and your name is second only in the search behind Brad Pitt. Is that right? Ranking highly, mate. How you feel about that? Wow. Wow. <laughs> You know what? I typed in something the other day, actually, uh, and it was Sharon someone. Actually, we got our, our doctor because of COVID. We had a new doctor, Sharon, and Sharon Stone came up. I'd never really recognised that. <laughs> it's obviously Sharon, the great movie. the movie? Um, oh, dear. Yeah, I know the exact one. Basic Instinct, wasn't 
Basic entry. What a crack of a movie. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, anyway. Those younger than us probably won't appreciate that. But anyway, that was, uh, you're right. That was part of our, our passage, yeah. rite right, right of passage, wasn't it? <laughs> Growing right. up to watch that what movie. What a great show. Uh, anyway, well, that, that's fantastic. Just behind Brad Pitt, he's, he's, uh, he's one pretty cool dude. He is. He is indeed. And, mate, you're uh, very much carving your own uh own history in everything that you do, mate. So um, and it's a credit to you, and I really appreciate you taking the time. All the best in Game Three, and uh, and and continuing to to uh, create those pathways and opportunities for for the youth of today to come out and uh, just have a, a healthy, happy life and lifestyle. Thank you very much, Brad Fittler. Appreciate it, Gilly. Good on you, mate. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.